channel for the haters. Uh, each episode we will have a different guest that features their different life story. Um, you know, we we go more in depth in the podcast to get to know the person a little bit better. Um, if you haven't done so already, head over to our YouTube channel to check out the video first. Uh, we love the support and uh, make sure make sure you head over there and subscribe. Uh, just to go over the people in the room, we have myself, Becky. Um, then we have Devin, who is our video editor. Devin, say what's up. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> we have Laura, who is our writer. Hey, guys. How you doing? And then we have our special guest, Eric Legrand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, thank you for joining us today. Um, thank you for taking the time to, you know, speak with us. We're really excited about having you on. Uh, for the people that don't know who you are, um, if you could just, you know, kind of give a brief summary of who you are since they, once again, can't see you and <laughs> uh, put two and two together. <laughs> sure. So I am a former Rutgers football player who was paralyzed back in 2010. And uh, ever since then, I've been able to make a great life for myself, whether it's with my motivational speaking, sports broadcasting, or writing the books, or just all around being able to give back with my foundation of Team LeGrand. And, it's just been, it's been honestly a blessing these past eight years of my life. I've gotten to meet some incredible people and do some incredible things. So that's who I am. That's awesome. Um, so if you could just dive a little bit into the accident itself. Um, we'd like to speak about other things, but just so people know how it happened and uh, just a little bit of details behind that. Yeah, it happened at MetLife Stadium in the fourth quarter of a football game. We were playing the Army Black Knights. And I was running down on the kickoff. We had just tied the game up, and I went to make a tackle on the play, thinking I, w I wasn't going to use my head at all, and I thought I was going to use my shoulder, but my teammate tripped up the guy before I got down there, and it was actually his, his, I would say, his shoulder blade went right into the crown of my head, and I fractured my C3-C4 vertebrae while he fractured his collarbone. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, that's, look, I, I was a sophomore at Rutgers um, during that football game, and, you know, I know you guys can't see me, but I'm ripping some Rutgers gear right now, mm -hmm. and it was everywhere. Your story was everywhere. I, I actually went to a different campus, and, and it's like I was in New Brunswick. I mean, it just it permeated all of New Jersey, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I, I've always kind of wondered, and I've always wanted to meet you just to hear what it was like. So, you know, what what did you feel when that happened, you know, leading up to it, the impact itself, the moments following when you're lying on the ground and thousands of people are watching you? What, is, what was it like? I really feel, and I tell people all the time because they ask how bad did it hurt and things like that. I physically didn't feel anything because I fractured my neck, you know, right away as soon as the, the impact happened. It was like, boom. And as soon as I hit the ground, my body went stiff and... The last thing I remember feeling was my heels hitting the ground. But other than pain-wise, there was just nothing there because I couldn't feel anything. And just, you know, emotionally, I was 
terrified. You know, I was laying there on the ground. I can't move. I can't breathe. And the trainers asking me, is it your head or your neck? Or can I feel this? Can I feel that? Then after that, my coach comes out and he goes, E, you have to pray. And when he says that to me, I'm thinking my life is over. I can't move. I can't breathe. And now my coach is telling me I have to pray. I'm like, I'm like this is it. You know, I, at one point I did close my eyes and I said, God, take me at ease. And Did you think you were going to die? I did. I, as I closed my eyes, I said, God, take me at ease. And nothing happened. I kind of, <laughs> I opened them back up. But I remember I started panting again because I was all nervous and not knowing what, like, what was going on. So, but at that time, they were putting a board under me now to lift me up onto the cart. Yeah, I, could, I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, being in that situation for anyone. Um, I know that you kind of touched on it before with us. If, you know, in that moment of being rolled off the field, um, you know, there were some things that you said, I think, that were important that, like, resonated well before. If you could just kind of, like, touch on that again, like, the thoughts that you had while you were rolling, the things that you wanted to do, the things you wanted to say, um, if you could just explain that a little bit. Yeah, so I was, when I was getting carted off the field, I remember I wanted, I wanted to give that thumbs up to the crowd to let everyone know I was going to be okay, I'll be all right. And I wanted to give that thumbs up, and it just felt like there was a thousand-pound cinder block laying on my hand. And I remember getting to the end of the end zone, and I see my mom and my sister, and my mom is hysterically crying, and my sister's just sitting there just trying to calm her down. And then I saw her, and I was like, Mom, you know, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be okay. They put me in the ambulance, and I put an oxygen mask on, and I was ignorant to the fact of what the oxygen mask actually does for you. I'm thinking, once I put this oxygen mask on, I'll be able to take that deep breath in and out. I wanted to take that deep breath and nothing happened and I blacked out and I don't even remember bits and pieces until I woke up on Wednesday and this injury happened on Saturday. That's crazy. Three full days. Three whole days, yeah. Did you, um, did you undergo surgery in those three days? Oh yeah, well, yeah. that night I went through nine hours of surgery. I remember they it's crazy. I, they saved my life, you know, it's crazy because the, the doctor that gives me motivation that told me that I would never walk again also is one of my heroes because of saving my life. I remember they went and took me in, did the MRIs and the CAT scans and all of that, and it wasn't good. Then they came into a room and they told my mom, your son is fractured at C3, C4 vertebrae, be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. I'll never eat again. He'll never walk on his own. I'll never, never be able to live a normal life pretty much, and and my mom was devastated after hearing that, but they went in, they did the surgery, they cut me in the front of my neck first, went in, and then they went through the back of my neck, and he, he did everything. I always like to brag about this, he said, I still, I, I joked with him, he said, my neck had the most muscle he's ever cut into in his entire, <laughs> entire life. I always like to brag about that. He says, when he cut in there, he was like, oh my God, he had to rip through a lot of muscle. Get, get the power so, tools out. Exactly. <laughs> so as he, as he did that, I'm like, wow, I'm like, wow, that's, I'm like, that's awesome, you know, it's cool, and then I got, you know, all that muscle, but, yeah, after he said he did, he went through there, after he was able to cut through and actually do the surgery, he said he wasn't satisfied with it, he goes, nah, I'm, I'm not satisfied with the, with the job I did, went back through the front again, and then came back, and then went through the back again, and I say, to this day, you know, that's the reason why I've been able to, you know, do so well, or be able to heal, because of that reason. After the surgery and after um, you were all finished there with the doctors, how was the rehab process? It's funny you ask that because the first three weeks I was so in and out of it, you know. I was mm -hmm. seeing a bunch of friends and family members, but I was falling asleep on people. I was so drained. They were, all they did was pretty much stretch me for therapy at the time. and They were trying to get me up to sit in a chair just so I could try to get my blood pressure the right way and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. 
other than that, it was it was rough those first three and a half weeks. And I remember I asked my mom afterwards, I'm like, so from here we go home, right? And she goes, no, we got a long road ahead of us. I'm like, where are we going from here? She goes, you got to go to Kessler Institute. We're going to be there for some time to really get you adjusted to this this new life, man. This is in West Orange, or West, they're multiple. Yeah. Okay, yeah, are multiple ones, yes. all the time, yeah. But the main campus is in West Orange. And it's the one that's known for this. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I got taken over, got taken there on November third of two thousand ten. And I remember I, that night, I knew I wasn't ready that day because I woke up that morning, and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm still out of it, and, and you know, dizzy. This and that, but people were motivating me, like, hey, you gotta get you out of here, we gotta get you on your feet walking again at therapy. So I remember I went over that day and I was terrified because I just had gotten used to everyone at, at Hackensack Hospital. Now I get to Kessler and everybody's new, and they wanted to introduce me to everybody that first minute I got there, and I was absolutely terrified. But finally, after I, started, I got done meeting everyone, I settled down in my room a little bit, and Rutgers was actually playing that night. And I remember watching the game, and it was going back and forth, back and forth. But the fourth quarter, the game hit, and something got real, just went real wrong with me. I just was sitting there and started getting real anxious and jittery and shaky. I was asking the aide, I'm like, move my shoulders this way, bring them back this way, put a pillow under my legs, take that pillow out, put it under my arm, take it out. Every five minutes, I just couldn't get, couldn't get comfortable. And from there, I remember I Rutgers lost that night. I went to sleep. Say an hour and a half went by. I woke up. I was on the stretcher. So somebody smacking me in my face saying, Eric, wake up. Like, that's not like a male or female. That's not like a demon, like, Eric, wake up. And I remember I said, hit me again. And it was my mom. She smacked me right across my face. <laughs> right across my face again. And I tried to attack her. Of course, I couldn't move or anything. But I like, she said, I let out a growl and tried to go after her. And she said, we have to get him out of here. He doesn't even recognize who I am. And come to find out, I had a 105.5 degree fever. And I was... That is five like, degrees away. Yeah, away really? from frying my brain and becoming brain dead for the yeah. rest of my life. So wow. they rushed me out to St. Barnabas Hospital and they were trying to figure out what was causing it. And I had later on, in fact, I saw I had some type of infection, but at mm-hmm. the time, from the surgery. they didn't know it, was, it wasn't even from the surgery, it was just from the spinal cord injury, yeah. just in general, all those yeah. different things that happened. And yeah, my mom, I remember my mom had to call down to Cociano and them down in Tampa, and they were scared to turn their phones on when they landed back in North New Jersey that night because. I didn't know what type of news that they were going to land to if I had right. made it through that night. So it was very, that very initial period was very rough that when I first got. But from there, you know, I was back at, at, at Kessel five days later and uh, the rehab process was just grinding through it and just trying to get myself healthy and strong enough to adjust to now to my new life that I was going to be living. I know that, um, that a lot of people that don't understand the process of rehab, um, mm-hmm just from knowing myself and experiencing it um, a lot of people don't understand the importance of OT versus PT um, and it like doesn't even like quite like it slips people's mind all the time you know I don't even think I knew what OT was yep. prior to you know my brother-in-law's injury um, and I think it might be important to just you know touch on the two different types of therapy especially with spinal cord injury the importance of the OT versus the PT. I'll tell you what, my OTs that I've had over the years would give you the biggest hug right now for <laughs> shouting them out because yeah. they're, they're always like the, like you said, the forgotten or people mm-hmm. don't understand how important, but OT, those are the people that work on your upper body, your, your arms, your hands. They're the ones who teach you how to feed yourself, how to get yourself dressed, how to, how to do everything, hair, yeah. brush your hair. Those are the ones who do it, all of that. That's just not just walking, you know, it's a lot of things and that's what occupational therapy does and, you know, it's, 
it's really incredible some of the stuff that they've been able to do and the stuff that they come up with for people. And like I said, they don't get the recognition that they deserve. And everyone always just thinks it's, you can't walk, it's your legs. No, it's a whole other, it's a whole other part of your body that needs to be functioning. And they work on that for you. It's not just physical therapies, yeah. occupational therapy, probably, which is more important to the physical one because you need all that stuff before you can walk. Yeah, so it's, they basically teach you how to live life again. Yeah. Uh, so the, the OTs teach you how to do your day-to-day things in an adaptive way. Okay. You know, brushing your teeth, brushing your I, hair. I'm not going to lie, I didn't really know the difference yeah. either. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So. Changing, you know, do it. it's your daily life that they teach you how to rebuild and it, it is overlooked a lot. Exactly. Um, if you would have told me OT before my injury, I'm like, overtime? Yeah, yeah. Football term, yeah. Exactly. Right. I'm going to piggyback off this actually. Um, you know, it's been a little over eight years. Um, when I called you earlier this week, you were working on, on therapy. What what are you doing today? You know, what kinds of therapy are you doing? Is it occupational? Is it physical? So, yeah, both? I do both still. I know. And mainly right now, I try to, I'm pretty much keeping my body healthy and strong. Just, just like when you go to the gym and work out, like I work on, when I do physical therapy, we do a few different uh, exercises. So one, I'll get on the mat and I'll work on my seated balance, being able to sit up and balance myself, which is, not easy to do with my level of injury and the muscles I have to use to compensate for a lot of the other muscles. It's not easy. So I work on that for one session. I'll work in the standing frame where I'm standing up in the in a frame where I'm getting, you know, be able to stand on my legs so I'm getting weight bearing through my legs and keeping my bones strong. Do you have a standing you know, frame here? I do have a stand. I do a lot of that at home as well. Then also I ride the, F, the FES bike, which is where they put a bunch of stims on the muscles on your bike, on your leg. And, they can track the muscles for you as you're riding the bike and things of that nature. So that's why I do a physical therapy. Occupational therapy is almost the same with the stem. I always put stem on my arms and they're always contracting my muscles. But we do more functional range of motion things. Like I was forward reaching and grasping to open the door or opening the cabinet or lifting my arm up above my head like I would do to take off my shirt. And they put the stem on those muscle groups that you would use to do that. And they stem those muscles, so that's what I do. Occupation. Interesting. I really, I have no idea how any of this works. This is actually very eye-opening. So with, um, it's kind of nice to touch on like points that I've learned over the, you know, the course of the past couple of years of the importance of things that people don't understand. Um, and like I asked, you having a standing frame here is something that most people don't have, um, and the importance of having a standing frame and being able to stand for someone in your position is so is incredible the, the benefits from doing it you are a pro at it you know you know you got this down pat you got this i like it i would i respect it as you said the the standing frame just being able to stretch out my body straight and be able to have weight there mm-hmm. you know because you when you're not standing i mean it's not standing you're not moving Unfortunately, your muscles, they atrophy, and then your bones, they get weaker and things of that nature. Just secondary conditions, those spinal cord injuries that people don't even think of. You see somebody in a wheelchair, you just say, oh, you can't walk. No, there's a lot of secondary conditions go through that. And when they really have that standing frame at home, you know, as you get up in it, and it allows you to wait there for that amount of time that I can do it before I get dizzy enough to sit back down and then go back up and things of that nature. But just so I can have, you know, keep my muscles strong and keep my muscles ready, just... I always say I got to keep my body ready for when that cure does come because mm-hmm. if, yeah. I, if I, I don't, because people say, how oh, do you do so much therapy still? If you're what you hit like a plateau, why do you keep on doing this and that? I'm like, I got I to gotta keep my body ready. I got to keep it strong. Just like the same reason why you go to the gym. 
that standard frame is my gym now. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate to see the um you know with insurance and things like that yeah. how the lack of coverage on on things such as like a standing frame um, because it, it a lot of it isn't covered you know most people can't get those types of things and these things are expensive. I'm glad you brought that up too yeah. about it, it, uh, insurances. So as you mentioned, insurances most of the insurances only allow people to have thirty sessions a year of therapy, which yeah. is insane because you go for those thirty sessions and you. And you get your body right, and then all of a sudden, up oh, you gotta wait till a whole other year to get another yeah, thirty so sessions. So it, it works for the first Re- month. It's ridiculous, yeah, and, and then from there, like you said, to anything medical-wise, you right away you're putting thousands of dollars on on these these equipment. And thank God, the, the reason why I'm able to have stuff like this or go to therapy as much as I do is because of my secondary insurance. If I just had my regular insurance that I I do have, I wouldn't have any of this. But since I got hurt playing for uh, in the college football game. I have an NCAA policy mm-hmm. since I have a catastrophic injury. So whatever my insurance doesn't pick up, I mean, oh yeah, they, if they, they they decline it or this and that, my NCAA insurance has been able to pick it up, which has been incredible for me, yeah, which is why. Amazing. Now is that insurance that stays with you for the remainder of your yeah, life? Yeah, they give you, they give you, I think it's like a $20 million policy for, yeah, for your wow. life. Wow. And you and you use it, you know, through things of that nature. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, so hopefully... I don't reach that twenty million ever because they don't. <laughs> but yeah, but like it's, it's it's very unfortunate because you know someone who didn't get hurt playing football like I did doesn't have that policy. That's one million dollars for their lifetime. Of course, how can you possibly afford these I don't resources? know exactly. Yeah, I don't know where I would be. Am I to, just physically wise? Anything if I just had my regular insurance? And and I'm glad that that is talked about because I think mm-hmm. it isn't talked that's about. I'm glad that. you brought that up. That's yeah. what I said. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So tell us, like, what are other things that you enjoy doing that like you don't really get to talk about often? You know, like you talk about your injuries so much. You know what what's life like? What is life for you? You know, other than your injury. Yeah. Like, what makes you Eric? A lot of people would have written, you know think this because of my situation, but I love to travel. Me and my friends, we, we're always talking about going to this place or that place. And let me say, it's not easy to travel because, one, I got to buy my ticket, but I usually got to pay for my nurse or an aide as well to come with me because of our situation. But also, just going through the whole transferring onto, onto a plane, it's just right. not easy. I got to, I'm a big man, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. And to get down the aisle of, a, of the airplane, they got to put you in this little, tiny little aisle chair. Yeah. And they gotta, and you get strapped into it. I'm like snugged in this. My butt cheeks are hanging off the <laughs> edges, and shoulders forget it are way wider than the back base. But you know, I get on it, and they bring me down, and I try to always sit in a bulkhead, which is always the first seat out of first class, because that's the most leg room and the most space. And then I don't gotta go all the way down the aisle and get my shoulders all messed up. So I try to get in that bulkhead, which is also costly. I'm exactly. sure. You know, oh yeah. Cost more, but you can find your ways. You can <laughs> when you get to the airport and see, see these my these my my tips. When you get to the airport, you go up to the front desk and like, I need that bulkhead scene. And sometimes, I would say actually, eighty percent of the time, they'll work with you and they'll move somebody out of that no way. Scene. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they'll put, yeah, they'll put you in like. You gotta use it to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. Work your magic. I, mean, yeah. I gotta work my perks of being in this place. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> and you deserve yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so but yeah, that like stuff like that. I love to travel. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a trip planned to Miami and, and coming up in March with my friends. I got a, you know, we're talking about going to the DR for a, a, a contest that I won for taking a pie for SCI in the face. Going That's to the awesome. Dominican Republic with my family. I've been to Turks and Caicos. I've been to Jamaica. That's 
Been to London. I'm guessing a I've been to exactly London. I didn't do Vegas. I didn't know, like, you know. What's your favorite place been so far? Uh, beach wise, touching. There was no other I've beach. I've been to Turks and Caicos before, actually. Beach has been amazing. Incredible. I would say Costa Rica for the scenery with the animals. Wow. I'm a big, I love animals. I so. wanted to go to Costa Rica. So, yeah, yeah, I wanted to go there. So I've been able, so right next to our resort, it's crazy because it's like a jungle and all you hear is like all these howling monkeys and stuff yelling and everything. I'm like, I'm like, they sound like they're right next to us. Come to find out, <laughs> legit on the other side of the fence, it was a sanctuary oh, of wow. all these animals. And that's where we got to go visit all these different animals. That's awesome. Incredible. It was handicap accessible as well, which was yeah. cool. So, was really nice. Have you becoming a tourism <laughs> yeah. <in> Costa Rica? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went to. We all went on a family vacation this past summer. We went on a cruise. A cruise are actually the most well known for being accessible for you know in general. Um, we went throughout the Greek islands, and um, I don't know if you know this. So all the Greek islands actually have accessible beaches. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You just made my day. Yeah. So <laughs> um, like they, have, they have these awesome things that, so they have the the wood structures that go up into the water, but they also have these like roller coaster looking things that you transfer into and it's um, it's automated and it puts you right into the water. The beach chair. Yeah. It, it, but, and it puts you right into the water. Yeah. Um, and we went and we used it every single beach we went to. We're going to talk. We're going to. Uh, I'm gonna need more info on this. Yeah. Like, it looks be, like we're about to plan a trip. I need to be there. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Right. Let me let that me know. Sounds, I'll come with you. That sounds I'll meet you there. incredible. Yeah. I'll show you some pictures and videos after. Oh, because I always worry worry about Europe and then, you know their their policies when it comes to you know handicap accessible and throwing them Greek and I got that. Yeah. Told you all off air. I'll tell you now. Everyone, so you know, I'm big into the Greek gods and goddesses and things of that. So I like. I want to go to Greek. I want to go to Rome. Yeah. I want to see all that type of stuff. So, you just made my day. <laughs> Greece is beautiful. Yeah. I've never been. I've I've been to two islands, but they were like kind of like not as popular as like your Mykonos or your okay. Santorini. Yeah. I came up Those with are like, the main two, I would say. So, um, I, so I we talked about this briefly before, and I I want to talk about it again. Um, can you tell us about your experiences with? like celebrities, right? So I know that you were just recently on set for the new movie that just, Kevin Hart movie that just came out. Um, just, you know, tell us a little bit about... The people you've... Yeah, tell us all about the, yeah, yeah. the people you've met. I've met some, I would say some incredible people and at the end of the day, when you, I, I would say once I walk away from that conversation, I realize I'm like, they're normal people just like us, you know, they may have their prestige because they're great actors or a great singer or whatever whatever it is but at the end of the day they're people too and when i was working on the, on the upside with you know kevin hart and brian cranston i'll never forget the day they came up to kessler brian cranston and uh, a few of the producers and the director and we were all sitting around just like we were having a conversation but brian cranston sat right next to me and he stared at me and watched every movement that i did so he could play this part right and it, it was kind of awkward at the time because i'm talking like looking left <laughs> But I could feel him over my right just staring at me. But I realized, you know, of course, what he was doing was he was legit studying me for his piece. And he was right up on me. It was kind of weird, but it was it was cool at the same time. And then after, like, he was done, like, I guess, and we were study, he just had a normal conversation with me afterwards. It was insane. And then Kevin, I remember he took my phone and did a Snapchat and everything. He goes, yeah, this is Kevin Hart. 
I'm taking over Eric McGregor's Snapchat. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? It's Kevin Hart right now. Like, yeah. And then I, I remember Drake. I was at the Barclay Center. And uh, they, they always always hooked me up over there with the pumpkin parking and everything. So using the perks of the wheelchair. <laughs> they hooked me up. And so I was downstairs in the basement area where they all, where they all park at and everything. And um, after the show was over, I got down there by his locker room. And you know when Drake's on stage, he's so animated, running around, singing, dancing, yelling. Then he, after the show's over, comes out with legit two red styrofoam for solo cups. <laughs> and he's just sitting there drinking, uh, drinking, drinking whatever he was drinking at the time. And just like, hey, what's up, man? Just like a normal person. Just a normal conversation after this man was just flying across the stage <laughs> when everyone goes you know, screaming and yelling. I'm like, at the end of the day, these celebrities and everyone, they're really real people just like us. They do the same things as us. You know, it's just like I said, they have that prestige because of what they're really good at, what you know, something in their craft. But and they, we're all just people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's a really cool insight to be able to experience that and and see uh, kind of firsthand these these people that are uh, kind of like fictional to yeah. to, to normal people. Great way to put it. Yeah, right, yeah, like but I mean, um, you are kind of fictional to other people too. And I try not to be. I try to show everyone I am the most down there. <laughs> well, we know that firsthand small, now. Yeah, small town kid. Just, yeah. No, I just was really good at football and I had it in Germany. Right. Yeah, and, and going off of uh, football again, um, I know you were you were signed to uh, an NFL team, one of one of the biggest dreams of any any anyone who's played sports in their life. Um, talk talk to us a, a little bit about that. You know, being a part of the Tampa Bay New organization just was a dream come true. My coach, Shiano, he left Rutgers after two years after I got hurt and went down to Tampa and when he got down to Tampa, he wanted to bring me a part of the team, you know, I mean, that I never thought would happen because after my injury, I'm thinking, you know, this is done for, but my draft class year was that 2012 class, and when he called me up that day, he just was asking about the family, how school going, this and that. At the end of the conversation, he said, we want to bring you a part of the Tampa Bay organization, signed you as our 90th man on the roster, and you be a part of this organization, and we want all the players to be just like you think the way you do, and things of that nature, and I was just like, in shock, like you made my dream come true. You know, I never played it down in the NFL. I could say I was a part of an NFL organization. I signed a contract, retired from the NFL. <laughs> I got to go down, be a part of the team, speak to the team. Like I mentioned before, I got to get all the free gear of the team. It was, it was just so cool to be able to have that and sit, sit in the suite at the games. And like I went down there ten times in two years. It was like it was like they were like my family. Even though I'm a diehard Denver Broncos fan, Tampa will always have. I place them all heart because of that. That's awesome. That's so special to be able to experience that. Yeah, those are memories that, like, I feel like no one can even, like, imagine. I know, and they even rolled out the red carpet for my family, my friends. And when they came, they, they hooked them up with some gear. And it was, wow. It was incredible. It really, it really was incredible. For ten times in two years, I got to go down there and just be a part of that organization. It's funny because, like, we were just talking about how celebrities are people, too. But we don't, you know... In this sense, like an organization as big as the NFL, they're just a, they're just like everyone else too. They treated you, you know, the way that everybody should treat somebody. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's interesting because like we don't, you know, we look at celebrities a certain way, but the organizations that they come from could very easily be fictional to people too. And yeah. to know that they treated you the way that they did is. Yeah, they like I said, rolled out the red carpet for me and made sure I, I felt like I was part of their family and part of that organization. 
It's amazing. That's incredible. So, so now, now what are you doing? You know, like, how do you, how do you still stay active with your love for football? Well, I do get to, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with the Rutgers radio every, every Rutgers game. And I get to broadcast those games as a, as a commentator and as an analyst and uh, with the Rutgers radio, we have a great time. I have a great team with Chris Carlin and Ray Lucas. And I love doing that. That's something I, I want to do for a long time. You know, I, I sports broadcast is something I've always wanted to do. You know, I've always wanted to be on ESPN and Big Ten. And I've gotten to do that now, and I truly do love it. But there's something about working those Rutgers games that just that homey feeling, being able to go every Saturday to you know the games. I think that's something I want to pursue longer than you know just being on you know ESPN and going to this team or that team or this team or that team. I think I, I want to give up that. It's, it's crazy because you say a smaller time job or a bigger time job. I found more love for the smaller time job than I have with the bigger with, with yeah. the, the mm-hmm. bigger ones. But um, I also do motivational speaking. That's something I really, really want to take off on and be able to build a business off of it. Guys, I look up to like Eric Thomas and Lewis Howes and you know Ed Milet. You know those people like that. I look at their stories and where they were. Tony Robbins and say I want to be like one day like them. Be able to share my story and life lessons and. People and hearing other people's stories and be able to share them with other people, be able to impact the world in different ways than than just you know, more average person would be able to do. And I want to be able to have a team with me and bring them along with me. I want to have my own digital team. I want to be able to have my own you know creative and development team. I want to be able to have that you know just like they do. And I know it's going to take a lot of work, but I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to keep on sharing my word, my story, my message, and creating the Erica Grand pathway. So. That's something I'm really, really looking forward to. And I also create a YouTube channel because, you know, as I eventually you see me here or you see me with that person and this and that. But with my YouTube channel, I'm able to take people behind the scenes on how it actually happened or how I was able to use that perk on that security guard and, <laughs> and things of that nature. That's so awesome. I want to bring people into my life more in depth into it. So. You have to film an episode yeah. from the Greek Islands. Yeah, you will see yeah. me out there <laughs> if, uh, on the into that water. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm exactly, I'm exactly what type of chair she's talking about too, floating in the middle of the Mediterranean. <laughs> Mediterranean sea. <laughs> just to bring it back a, lo- a little bit I'm with, just to bring it back to the football aspect, um, have you been back to MetLife? You know, are you able to go back there without? Constantly replaying what happened in your head, you know, does it bring only negativeness to your life, or are you able to overcome it and go back? I've been back there so many times now that that it really doesn't even phase me. But I always look at the the part where like what part of the stadium it was. And when I first went back there, I believe the first time I went back there was for a Jets game on nine eleven in two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. Probably two thousand eleven. Met Usher, met Usher there that day, which is crazy. <laughs> which That's is crazy. Remember, yeah. <laughs> but I do remember looking down at this team. I was like, which yard, like, which 25 was it? Was it on that side? Was it on this side? Where did I go down? And every time I, I go there, I if it's for a concert or if it's for a football game or whatever, I was, now I know the stadium. I always look at that spot yeah. and know exactly where it all went down. And I always say, like, I can't wait for that day where I go back to that stadium and lay back on this 25 yard line and get up and walk off that field and I, I, I and, and it goes to my mind I'm, I always think about do I do it at a football game do I do it at a concert do I do it at this day like that's the stuff I think about when I that's go to awesome. that life so yeah 
Yes. It's all positive vibes, honestly. That's amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Really and I think I think that comes from first and foremost you being an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, um, growing up playing sports, I think you learn a lot of life lessons where you need to to grow and 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 have self discipline and and have some sort of motivation to get better at what you do. You know, any mm-hmm. any true athlete, they go to practice and they love practice and they they take all of that into to 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 overcome any challenge that they may face and and I think that can uh that plays a huge role in in a person's life yeah. and I think that comes from first and foremost you being a true athlete I said that to, to being an athlete and you know being able to play at Rutgers and the life lessons I learned there and self evaluation periods and all just the tough times that Coach Seattle put us through, my God. Thought we were, I thought we were in the military for for most of it, but it sets you up and prepares you for life. You know, it set me up for this. You know, my my game day victories now, you know, these uh, little accomplishments I'm able to do, you know, things that, that the doctors told me I wouldn't be able to do. Or, you know, going to the gym now is like going to the weight room like it was back when I was playing and having that mindset. And I always say for people too that, that didn't that, that weren't an athlete or weren't an athlete before the injury and now all of a sudden they get thrown into a gym and they gotta do this and I kinda of feel bad for them because right. they didn't have that mindset of an athlete beforehand and now all of a sudden they're like, right, you gotta go to the gym five times a week and you gotta do this, this and that. Might be a little bit overwhelming for them, but someone who who's been doing that his whole life, like I have, you know, it's kind of just all right, shift my gear from beating Yukon this weekend to now. You know, focusing <laughs> on, all right, let's get, try to get this right hand moving, you know, something like that. Right. So, it is all in the mindset, being able to train yourself to, all right, I got to do this or I got to get better. I got to push myself to do that. Absolutely. You know, and then just going out there and execute. Mm-hmm. And I think that also plays a big role in, in your life now. Like, you're a motivational speaker, you're an author, you're a public figure to all these people. And I think being an athlete, you don't know how to sit still. You know, you always want to, you want to get to the next level. You want to overcome what's in front of you. And, and I think that plays a huge role. That's the truth, yeah. And the sitting still is, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> and I hate when I get, like, I feel like I get to a point where it's like, all right, where do I go next? And I got to start thinking about, all right, how do I get there? Because, you know, as an athlete, usually everything's was always scripted out for us. All right, we got right. in order to get in here, right, we got to start looping. We got to do more weights here. Mm-hmm. We want to do this and you got to do that. And now, I actually have to think about, all right. What I got to do now is in order to take my brand to the next level or this and that. Which is kind of cool when you come up with ideas, but at the same time, it's just like, damn. Nah, nah, I got to come up with the ideas. I know, but it's all in the process and it's fun when you get when you get to see, you know, your hard work that you really put out a year after four. It all come to fruition. I got to see a lot of that actually last year with my foundation because usually we had our signature events. I always have my 5K walk and run. This year will be year nine wow you're tired of that and i had it like a like a little dinner gala thing always at the end of the year this year we on our sorry, last year we incorporated more more in, into the team of grand and what we want to do for raise money we we started a flag football tournament where we got 36 teams out there with was over 400 people we had we all brought in over thirty thousand dollars that day wow. just for me into our first year doing a flag football tournament to having a zumba event no where, way. And hold up, boy, I got to talk about we this. The Zumba yeah. event is, is something, the Zumba event was sure. was something totally different because 
you know, it's, it's out of my comfort zone, you know, out of the realm of things I'm used to. But watching, we got raffle items and everything, watching a bunch of these women after, like, after the Zuma was over and win raffle items, you would have thought they were at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm t- it was insane. Like, when you pick out their, their number ticket and you read five, four, three, six, one, whatever it is, and all of a sudden they go, yeah. I don't play no games when it comes to raffle items. So, so yeah, that whole experience was amazing. And then we also had a CKO kickboxing event where people had to sign up for the class nice. and, and came out and, and raised money. So things like that, incorporating other other things, and we're going to do some more this year. We got a, some basketball tournaments this year, as well as now year two of the flag football, year two CKO Zumba. And we're even adding a cornhole tournament this year, so yeah. I love cornhole. Yeah, yeah I like cornhole too, so you have to let us know. I'll, I'll be there. We might be able to enroll for that. We're going to do that in April, mid-April, so. Oh, good to know. So yeah, mid-April. so we just, yeah. The, My birthday is the, April 18th. They might be right around, actually, right around that. <laughs> so yeah, things like of that nature that, you know, just incorporating things like that. It's been, it's been cool to see and watching, you know, like you said, develop it, come up with a plan, and then go execute it. Still athlete at heart always. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, to piggyback off that, you know, you you're an athlete at heart. You've you know you've been one your entire life, and it's it's certainly set you up for victory. Um, what is it when you're speaking to people, you know, as as a motivational speaker, when you address a room or or a congregation, and you don't know who among them are athletes? How mm-hmm. do you tailor your speeches? to resonate with the masses and, and, and what ideas might you have? That's a great uh, question because I usually when I, I when I get booked for speaking engagements, of course, I, if it's a school or a business, you try to, you know, figure out some different stuff. But my biggest fear is I don't write anything down when I speak. I speak from my heart all, at all times. And I, you don't need a ghostwriter? <laughs> I share my stories, through, you know, and I, I put them certain ways by depending on who I'm talking to. But the biggest feel I get is when I get to the to the place, feeling out the crowd. I, I always I love to feel out who I'm about to talk to. If it's a bunch of students, I got that, you know, down packed by now. But if it's a bunch of business people, if it's if it's you know real loud in the room, quiet in the room, like are people nervous to what they're about to see or not? That's all I feel out on what I'm about to say now. I'm about to address this crowd and do I get them lively? Do I wake them up? Do I go you know a little bit soft to keep it mellow? You know, trying to bring things of that nature. I try to fill out the room and say, all right, this is how I'm going to go and do this today. So your ideas are pretty spontaneous. I feel like improvised I, I feel like that's when I execute the best and when I put me under the pressure. It's the lights are, it's time to shine. Oh, Again, the yeah, athlete. Yeah, yeah. 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 Athlete. that's how, I mean, that's, we were yeah. talking about doing a speech for the launch party and I, she asked if I wanted to write something down. I said that, like, I'll just, I'll just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's People when I, especially when I first started, like, hey, aren't you gonna write stuff down? I'm just like, no. I like when I'm reading it, it sounds awful compared to what I'm actually <laughs> yeah. talking. Right. It's, it's true. It's the truth. When I'm coming speaking out. from right. my heart. Right. Like, it's the truth coming out. You know, and it's your more, life, right? Like, exactly. Then the more you do it, you know, the better you get at it. Right. And when I'm writing something, I feel like it's just it's just not as big as an impact as I'm reading. It's this. almost like fake. It's like not your true words yeah, that you true. say in the moment. Exactly. Right. See. So, um, so going off that, like, it, can you tell us about maybe a really great experience you had, like, in one of your times motivational speaking somewhere? You know, like, 
was there a school you went to that, that you met someone that impacted yourself? You know, if you met someone afterwards or if there was just a crowd that really, you know, changed the vibe of everything. Well, I was, I was two things. Uh, when I, I, when I go to schools, I love afterwards when people come up to me and tell me, the, the kids like, wow, you've changed my life in the way I think, or I'm making sure I re read your book, or I have already read your book. That always gets me. I love that. But I got to speak for Pfizer back in, at their annual sales meeting back in 2012. And I spoke, and I believe there was 20,000 people. Wow. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that room, it was, you know, when I got up there, you could hear a pin drop, like all 20,000 people. And I remember this was the beginning of my speech. And I was, you know, just getting used to, you know, the public speaking. And I, you know, did the best that I could. I did my I did my job. I went up there. And I thought I killed it, and everyone in that room they stood up. And after that was over, everyone after that came up to me and wanted to be around me and like you know say thank you to me. And that happened to me one other time, and it was when I won the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance at the ESPYS. I didn't get to give my whole speech up there because there was a time limit, but I tried to get the most words out as I could and be as impactful as I could for that five minutes that I had up there. And after that was over, you would have thought I was walking through there like, oh, man, you would you, like you would have thought I was the most popular celebrity out there you could think of. You thought I thought I was Jay-Z Beyonce <laughs> coming through. And after, because after this is over, there's an after party for all the all the celebrities and everything. And all these celebrities are running and coming up to me, Rob Gronkowski and the, and the Gronk brothers. And you can do a shot, let's do a shot. <laughs> I love that you used Rob Gronkowski yeah. and and automatically go to drinking. <laughs> like yes. I like love that. Exactly, exactly what happened because like, he came he came up to me. He was like, Eric, I need a picture with you. And then my friend had just got back with drinks that we were about to drink. He goes, Well, you can drink. I'm like, Yeah. He goes, Shots. And, <laughs> and then he yells over to his brothers. We'll be and doing they one all later come, now. And they all come running over. I'm like, Yo. That's amazing. <laughs> see, you know, we're all awesome. doing shots with the Gronk brothers. It was insane. That's awesome. That just it's so cool. Me. Is it better to do shots with Rob Gronkowski or to win the SB? Well. Wow. There was a lot of perks of winning the SB getting to meet a lot of, like I said, a lot of people, but doing shots with Rob Gronkowski, that's up there too, man. Pretty memorable. That's awesome. That's cool. I think with time, I think we're like, we should probably start wrapping up. Um, and with wrapping up, we always like to get people to give advice. We like people to give advice. You know, there might be people listening that are going through what you went through nine years ago. There might be people listening, you know, that aren't, but can help them. Um, you know, just, just what, what advice would you give to people? There's a definition that I live my life by that was embedded in our heads while we were at Rutgers. We used to have to say it every single day. And this is why I've been out of Rutgers now for eight years and I still remember this definition by heart. It's the definition of success. And it's the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you can be. I'll say it one more time. It's the peace of mind you get knowing you did everything you could to be the best you could be. So at the end of the day, you know, you gave it your all, whatever it was, if it was on a class project, if it was on a work project, if it was out on the football field. You know, you left it all out there at that time. You should be able to put your head down on that pillow at night and sleep at ease and say, you know what? I gave it my all. I was my best today. And there was no one that could tell me otherwise that I didn't give it my all. And when you start adding all those those best days together, 
See the amazing things that start happening in your life. See where your life starts gearing towards when you start putting your full effort into something that you care about or you're committed to. It's in life in general. Watch where you start. Watch where your life you start. The way you start to think, the way you start to breathe, the way you start to look at things, and the way you start to impact other people. It's pretty. It's 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 a, it's amazing because that's how I, I try to live my life by, at being the best that I can be at at certain situations or certain subjects, whatever it is. Be the best I can be at it, and it's taken me a long way. And like I said, I've gotten to do some crazy things from it and meet some incredible people because of that. And it's something that I'm gonna. Hopefully teach my kids one day, and they eventually teach my kids. And when I was at Rutgers, you know, we would just repeat it because Cociano said you had to repeat it. So I'm going to peace of mind. You get no need and everything good to be the best you can be, whatever. Now as I get older, and I actually realize what those words actually mean, I take it down and I look back. I'm like, wow, thank you for teaching me that because it's got me to where I am today. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps. It's become yeah. a mantra. Yeah. yeah. And um, if, if there's one thing that you could speak to of what got you through, you know, the first couple weeks, the first couple months after surgery, you know, what, what is it, what was it that really changed? One was definitely faith when it came to praying with my aunt. My aunt's the rock of the family. She's a prayer warrior. When things go wrong, you call auntie up and she's the one who helps you get through those tough times. And she was reading different scriptures to me. And Psalms 23 always stuck out to me that she would always read to me and just being able to, you know, know that there was a bigger cause to this, a bigger meaning. And what is Psalm 23? One, yeah, come on. I'm sure. I just said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I actually have a tattoo right there going down my whole bicep. Hey, very nice. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, going back, so I was saying, being able to, you know, pray and lean on faith helped me a whole lot. But also, as you, I would sit there in those times and I would just think about the future. I would think about when you are walking again. What's life going to be like, Eric? All the, you know, this hardship that you're going through now, people are going to really look up to, to you and you're going to be able to tell an amazing story when you are up on your feet walking again. And I would say through hard work, determination, and faith, and anything is truly possible in this world if you put your mind to it. And that's the stuff I think about now. I dream, When I dream, I'm never in a wheelchair. It's crazy. I'm never in my wheelchair when I dream now. I'm always up walking, so always looking ahead to the to what life will be like when I'm not in this situation. And I, and I have a good life even in this situation right now. And I think about you know the great times I have, but I'm always looking forward to when I'm not in this wheelchair and being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that always puts a smile on my face. That's a very interesting answer because instead of you know dreaming as yourself and looking back on the days that you once could walk you're looking ahead to the days where you know you're going to walk again and that's that's a very interesting uh, concept i yeah. can't wait for those days you know god <laughs> will get there 20 years old i hopefully i'm blessed with a long life and but the way technology is now you know it's only a matter of you time. never know you yeah. really don't the way technology is going i talk about it when i got hurt i had a blackberry curve with the ball falling out i <laughs> <laughs> what the iphone x r x whatever <laughs> It's crazy to see yeah. it. Eight years. Elon I didn't have Twitter. There was no Instagram. Snapchat. I was on Facebook. YouTube. Sliding the DMs on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was yeah. around back then. See, crazy. It's, it's crazy. Wi-Fi, yeah. Like, there was none of that. This was just eight years ago. Look how far technology has come in eight years. My oven has Wi-Fi. 
It's like the it weirdest world. <laughs> Where will we be in another 10 years from now? Be floating around this You never time. know. Yeah. yeah, it could go. Yeah, you'll be anywhere. flying. Forget walking. Yeah. We'll be flying. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. I love that you said that. Yeah, awesome. And we can't we can't thank you enough for, you know, letting us into your home, you know, letting us into your life and uh, just being able to get to know you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, you know, the things that we can read and things that we can find about you. Uh, it's truly been, you know, an amazing experience and uh, like I'm happy to be able to get you on a different platform and get more people to know your story and and hopefully that getting this out there will help someone. Yeah, that's what I was always saying. If you can help one person out with your story, then you're well on your way to changing the world. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, that's why we're doing what we're doing. It really has mm-hmm. been a pleasure. Yeah. It's a very humbling experience. And like I've said, I've wanted to meet you for almost a decade, so this is mm-hmm. an especially great day for me. So thank awesome. you for welcoming us into your home. Absolutely. Awesome. So, um, so if you guys want to follow Eric, you can. we'll have all of his information either on our YouTube channel or on our website itself. If you're interested in supporting Team Legrand, um, we'll definitely have that information for you. Uh, once again, guys, thank you for listening. And uh, make sure you check out our website at ForTheHaters.com. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, For The Haters. And then the social media handles as well is For The Haters. Anything else, guys? That's all. That's a wrap. Thanks, Sarah. Peace out, y'all. Thanks, guys. For the haters, for the haters, come on to it now or later. Whoa, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It don't matter what your name is, share your story, they'll be waiting. Uh, 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 uh.